Please listen carefully. Welcome to the Rick and Dodd Show. Two dudes, a podcast, and some laughs. Prepare to be underwhelmed. And away we go. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, Nintendo Direct is basically like a promotional video. It's how they make their announcements. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, like, they'll put on, like, a five-minute or ten-minute Nintendo Direct where somebody comes out and it's like, Konnichiwa! Here is everything! Coming to Nintendo for the next three days. Or three, you know, whatever. And, yeah. And they, uh... And, um... That's how they do all that, and yeah, but a Nintendo Direct on something you already spent an hour and a half Nintendo Direct on. I, uh, <laughs> what's left? <laughs> but um, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how long we'll have to record tonight since it's uh hitting pretty much record summer temperatures in our apartment tonight. Um, so usually like I'm at my desk and I have like a light on and all that other stuff. And, um, even now, like I'm sweating a bit, uh, and sitting practically in the dark, just with the, the dulcet glow of the, uh, the monitor in front of me. Um, <laughs> so as long as I, I, you know, don't start, uh, getting a pool of water around me, uh, we'll be fine for now, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. And, uh, uh I'm hoping yeah. we have a countdown. Yes. Uh, let's see. Oh, what is this? Is this? Oh no, that's an old AAA card. I need to call them though. <laughs> uh, uh, planning some trips. Um, yes. So I guess we can start off with uh, we ended. Uh, you know, because I, I like to be uh, very uh, circular here. Um, we ended with you talking about Comic Con last week. Yeah, I'd like to stay on or, top of continuity. Yeah. Yes. So uh, I did a couple of uh, conventions, um, and you'll probably have to edit the edit these uh, as you will. But um, yes. So we did SuperCon. Okay. That's I, the uh, Raleigh SuperCon. Ended up, yes, we did Raleigh SuperCon. Um, uh, so I guess a small diatribe uh, before I. I uh, going to my um, experience here, uh, I don't know if necessarily all of our listeners listeners actually know this or anything, um, but apparently the next uh, there has been part of the reason there has been a convention boom um, in the last five years, realistically, um, which I I feel is safe to say I don't have those numbers in, uh, ahead of uh, in front of me, but. The number of conventions now have grown around the United States exponentially. Well, no, I mean, I think that's um, about right because even then, yeah. like NC Comic Con or North Carolina Comic Con was only in its second year, and that was back in 2013 because that, that's the day I was mm-hmm. playing the PP2, PP, the PTQ. That was before the PPTQs. <laughs> so that's why it, it's been so long that my brain is now fumbling that. Um, where that was like yes. the, the early November, et cetera. And that was only their second year in 2013. Mm-hmm. So then, I mean, since and then, now, like almost all of these other shows have come since that time. Yeah. And now there's two NC Comic Cons, um, you know, in, in Raleigh and Durham. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which is nuts. But part of the reason there's been this boom is because. Um, I believe somewhere in Entrepreneur Weekly um, is the next, like, everybody has been trying to capitalize on nerd 
uh, and geek pop culture kind of kind of stuff. So um, a lot of these conventions, um, these people aren't necessarily for at least what I've noticed. Um, these people aren't necessarily coming from the place of the experience of the person attending the convention. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and they're more concerned about the uh, the money. Um, so I'll um, I'll go with the good. Um, also. Uh, I will probably put up, I don't know if you actually got a chance to look over those do's and don'ts I put together. Um, I haven't yet. It's on my list to do um, this week so that I can, uh, I'll edit that and then format it for online. And then depending on what you have in there, I'll, uh, I'll add in some commentary and, uh, joint editor's Mm. notes or whatever. Yes. Um, so that'll probably go up at some point too, which ties into all this convention talk because we do talk about them quite a bit. Yep. Um, so I'll start with the uh, the good. Um, so Supercon, uh, it was a very large convention, uh, which was nice. Um, going on, we went. I went Sunday. Um, I tickets sold out for Saturday very quickly. Um, I had plans for last Saturday uh, night uh, to hang out with a, a mutual friend, one of our mutual friends, and um, I had um i didn't want to cancel just to you know it was kind of selfish to go cancel and then do all the after dark stuff at supercon um so i was like you know eh, i kind of don't want to spend the money and I'll, I'll hang out with my buddy that i haven't hung out with in a long time and um so i did sunday um got there a little a little little uh, about an hour and a half after um open or whatever it was supposed to be going to like seven or eight um and so we did that uh, I got there by going in, buying tickets was easy. So I got there and we were doing, you know, we got there a little, little, little after open buying tickets was really easy. I felt uh, bad for everyone who pre-purchased their tickets um, because that check-in was a nightmare. The pre-purchase line like, was almost out the door. Yeah, basically, yeah. And it was just an absolute nightmare. Like, I couldn't imagine people paying ahead of time for a ticket. Like, that's my big thing is that the advent, the advantage of paying ahead for tickets online and ordering online is you don't have to fucking wait in line to buy tickets. Now, mm-hmm. you know, nowadays it's almost reversed, um, which I'll get into my second pseudo-con experience, um, and uh, which happened, I guess, yesterday. Um so we get there, we do that, we're going down through the floor or whatever, we're seeing all the folks, um, you know, I think I, <laughs> so I'm walking on the, uh, I'm walking on the show floor with uh, a friend and um, I see Teddy Long in, in front of me. Oh, wow. Right? And I'm like, I'm like, I t- you know, I'm looking at my buddy and I go, oh shit, that's Teddy Long, holla holla, and I know he fucking heard me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, it was just like, kind of like. I was gonna make a joke about being put in a match with the Undertaker, uh, a tag team match with the Undertaker, but um, for those rest, uh, for for those listeners who aren't super, um, who who didn't watch SmackDown circa you know 2005 to 2010 or whatever, uh, Teddy Long always ended. They ended every single SmackDown show the same way, uh, which was Teddy Long coming out and depending if the, they'd start with a, a wrestler in the ring. And depending on whether or not the wrestler was a heel or a face, there were two things. Uh, the uh, face uh, would be put in a tag team match. 
<laughs> with a partner of their choosing against whatever heel there was they had animosity uh, animosity with, or if it was a heel, they'd go one on one with the Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> Every SmackDown from was five to six years <laughs> went that way. And uh, I didn't. So um, one of the things at um, at SuperCon, uh, and it's probably this way with a lot of conventions just to, to deal with stuff, is they uh, charge for autographs and signatures. Mm-hmm. Um, now, do I think do they charge a fair amount for an autograph or signature? A photo is whatever, right? you're always going to, if you're asking for X amount of dollars for a photo, and if I want a photo, I'm going to pay it because it's a photo and I don't understand how technology works. So it's just a magic magician man taking a picture of you and I etched in time forever. So yeah, I'll fucking throw money at at a photo as long as it's reasonable. And, um, I, uh, signature, uh, like autographs, especially if you bring it your own item, um, I feel it's a little, they're a little much. I think almost all the baseline autographs, which we'll go into later um, in this section where we talk about the not so good stuff, um, every base autograph at Supercon for all of the talent was minimum $30. Um, and at that, at that price point, like at 20 bucks, I don't, I don't really fight it. It's weird. It's weird. Like at twenty bucks, you really don't feel like fighting that. Uh, at at fifty, you know, under, un, you know, ten and under, you don't really feel like fighting. You know, uh, ten and under, you're definitely doing that, and all, you know, all that kind of stuff. Or, um, you know, especially five, ten bucks, whatever. Yeah, sure, I'll, I'll do it. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I'm not, I'm not fighting it. Twenty, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about it. But if I really want to meet you, yeah. But the extra ten bucks, just you know, to have something to sign something that I bought. You know, or I've owned or I've cherished is kind of, you know, it's I, starting to push the. Envelope. I get why they do it. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like like Steve Bloom was there, the voice actor. So I love Cowboy Bebop. Um, yeah, it's one of my favorite animes. Um, I have a DVD set with Shin, uh, Shincharo Watanabe signature that I think we talked about with Animazement. Um, and I would love to have gotten Steve Bloom, who's the English voice actor for Spike Spiegel. Um. And a whole shit ton of anime. Um, if you've ever, if folks are not necessarily who knows who that is, if you're a millennial and had cable and watched Toonami, he's the voice of the robot. Uh, oh, okay. On, that for Toonami, yeah, he's done. A, he's done a shit ton of stuff. Um, he was, I think, he was he was the voice of Wolverine in that uh, shitty X Men Warner Brothers cartoon that came out in like the early two thousands, where they're all teenagers except Wolverine. X Men um, is that Evolution? Yes. Is that a different one? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was that. Um, yeah, he's but he's he's a really iconic American voice actor. Um, and so you know, but at thirty a, I forgot my my DVD set. Uh, B, I forgot the UFS card that I would want him to sign because um, I was fucking out of it this that morning. And um, so yeah, but like th- I mean, so it'd be thirty bucks for like a signed like a mass produced thing. And I was like, even if I had brought my own item, it would have been, you know, 10. Yeah, even if I brought my own item, it still would have been $30. And I was mm-hmm. like, ugh. What's, what's, the, what's the point? For me, it's like, what's the point? Um, the one thing to know, I saw Kane. I almost wished him uh, good luck in his managerial race until I actually saw his victory speech today. And I was like, I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> okay. 
uh, man, he leaned into, we cannot let the blue wave take over Tennessee. Yeah, I did see that. I saw that he, yeah. he did end up winning the, the election. Um, and then I hadn't really seen much of what his platform was. Um, but it's also, it, it's interesting based on, I, I mean, I don't, I haven't looked up exactly where the County is, um, uh, as far as where that is, but then kind of, and just where we're going in politics now of having like all of your past and how much like you've done on TV, like be out there as opposed to like before when it was like everything was under scrutiny. Um, and so it just, it's a really weird kind of position for that to be in. Um, although, I mean, there is stuff like, you know, Schwarzenegger being governor and then Jesse Ventura being governor and stuff like that. So there's obviously precedent for it. Um, but I hadn't really jumped into how much of his platform was there, but I did see, uh, there was a Republican banner behind him. So I was wondering how, how much he was still uh, adhering to that. Yeah. I, uh, I, um, but yeah, like I uh, saw, yeah, so I saw him. So the important thing to note here um, is that the lines for these people were non-existent, right? Uh, mostly because it was kind of the end of the day, uh, you know, end end of con uh, day, and they weren't. Um, uh, uh, the lines weren't there, and the prices for the signatures were. There were enough to make you think twice. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you wanted like a photo and a signature, you were looking at like eighty fucking dollars for people who are barely more famous than I am. Like, um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just scrolling through some of these uh, on the site really quick, there's a lot that are just questioning. Or, I mean, as far as appearances, and I mean, if you're you know working and kind of working it, then you know, perfectly fine. But I mean, there's a couple of things here as far as what they're quote unquote famous for, and there's uh, not really mm-hmm. much there. Um, yeah. And uh, I mean, if I, I mean, and obviously I'm not trying to establish any sort of gatekeeping here or whatever. Um, but like, I mean, generally with how much of my brain is devoted to this stuff, if there's, uh, you know, if, if there's somebody who's at a con, like usually I'll at least like pick up who they are or know what they've done or kind of have something available or know of like a title they worked on or something like that. But then, and then if you're there kind of, um, asking for money for signatures, that's a different story or that's, you know, you should have a little bit more of a establishment as opposed to, uh, I'm in mm-hmm. a number of cons where there's just people signing stuff for free just because, you know, they're there and, and a part of their fans and stuff like that. So, yes. And, um, that was a big thing for, that was actually a big, a big thing for me. Um, I was, so one of the things that I don't like about this, this, I don't want to say it's a predatorial con biz, con, like nerd, nerd business. Um, but it almost seems like that because one of the things that someone wrote up to me is that all of the signatures, except like one or two people were set at this exact same price point, which is very weird, right? Like. It's uniformed all across. I mean, there's no reason I should be point, paying a voice actor who is in, you know, like one video game, you know, $30. Yeah, like, not to. There, there has been some talk of this on Tell Him Steve Dave, and Bry mentions, mentions it on there where he's kind of of the mind where he feels bad or like he's, he's mentioned multiple times where he doesn't 
feel appropriate, like asking for money for signatures and for photos and stuff like that. Um, but it ends up being something in the contract where there's a minimum amount that, yes. you know, based on the appearance that they can be there, how much there's a minimum amount of how much they yep. have to charge for some of that stuff. Um, and yes. most of the time it was around that, that $30 mark. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, he mentions all the stuff that Ming does elsewhere and everything. And, and this was probably about a, a year ago or a lot of the shows that they were doing last summer. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I kind of see that in a lot of the other, um, or some of the other, yeah. um, kind of series of, uh, of traveling shows, uh, where they have just that, you know, if it's there and you're getting a signature, there's a base amount, um, which I can understand because there's another show here in October and I have a friend looking to come into town for it. Um, and she was looking at possibly getting, uh, either joint or solo signature of Chris Evans and Tom Hiddleston. And mm-hmm. so the individual cost for both of those people is $200 for a photo. I, right. I know for the photo, I think the, the signature may be the same or the autograph may be the same, but I, I know it's 200 for the photo. Um, for a joint photo, it's 420. So I don't know how, why that the one plus one equals three there. Um, but when I was thinking about it, like, I mean, it, I understand a little bit of that because for people of that magnitude, they've basically put on a, or they've been paid an appearance fee and then right. the show who's running it and the contractors and all that stuff, they have to recoup that appearance fee somehow. Um, and so, I mean, all, all of that makes sense. Um, but then like, once you start working back the technology, that's like a baseline for everybody else that's there. So, you know, that becomes like dollars as opposed to tens of dollars or something for the experience. Um, and then, so like, it, it does become, rather exorbitant rather quickly but then at the Mm -hmm. same time like they need to pay those people to be able to show up for the big name you know marquee players to to make people want to come and then so then when you when you start like paying out to a couple of like the key uh marquee people to be there and then you end up having no no money left to fill some other places which i've read like a bunch of horror stories on online about um like cons basically folding up overnight or like it's a three-day con but they only had like the first day stuff like that Mm -hmm. um it ends up being something where you end up having something like this where you have all of the guests there and just to recoup costs, like you're saying you have to end up doing X, Y, or Z or else you can't really be there in an Mm -hmm. official capacity. Yeah. And that was a big, that was a big thing too, is that uh, someone, I was was talking to a couple of people about it and someone brought up the point that they're probably, the, they're probably taking a cut of, of that money on top of it for whatever Mm -hmm. they charge for the stuff. And like, that's not, I mean, I mean, Super. This Supercon had over fifty thousand people there, and tickets weren't free. Like, you know, and I understand. I mean, you realistically, yeah, you paid for some of those people. You didn't pay for all of them to come out. You know, mm-hmm. because according to some of the staff that I had conversations with, you know, they were like, "Oh, they're asking us to come out." You know. And it's like, well, if that's the case, then you're probably in a, a power position there. So maybe you're not paying for the entire flight. Maybe you're just paying coach. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that was like, that was a big thing. Um, and so but those lines, but because they were charging that it was just a turn off. It was just, you know, and it made me feel bad for like a lot of us. I mean, like some folks did end up, you know. There are some folks that at that thirty dollar price point, probably people felt that was fair. Um, like Tom Ken- Tom Kenny was there, um, and 
you know, a lot of folks, I guess a lot of people like SpongeBob and, um, you know, it, so that maybe for a lot of those folks, they've thought that was worth $30 or, you know, I can't, I don't even know what his uh, price, excuse me. I don't remember what his price point was. Um, so, uh, we did that. Uh, I ended up attending, um, I'm going to actually send you the link here later so we can actually, uh, plug their stuff for all half of our listener. Um, I attended a live uh, live taping of the podcast, How Did This Get Booked, okay. um, which is a uh, podcast that is uh, done by two uh, indie wrestlers, um, uh, Jake Manning and Zane Riley. They uh, are a part of the, um, uh, I guess there's like an independent sheet area wrestling independent wrestling scene Mm -hmm. in the charlotte area uh like pwx and all that and they're and they're a part of and they're basically part of that and uh one of the things they do is um they put on um wrestling shows throughout the entire the entire cons that they do so if they're there they basically do wrestling shows three nights a week or not three nights the three days of the con um Yeah. So, you know, once you start looking at like, you know, you pay those guys. I mean, you're not paying. The, I know you're not fucking paying those guys a whole bunch. Um, you know, uh, it's especially for three nights, of, you know, three nights of work or whatever. Um, I know you're not paying them fucking a, a ton. Yeah. Um, and I mean, most of that stuff, it's again, like you just comp them if they're presenting or something like that. You just end up comping them. uh the badges or the presenter badges are free and that's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And maybe they give them a kickback because they're actually putting on a a performance, um, of something, but you know, um, you know, it was a small crew. I think there was only like maybe eight wrestlers total, eight or nine wrestlers, maybe, maybe 10. Um, and so like that kickback of that, but anyway, so I attended that, um, that was fantastic. Um, really good um those guys were really funny uh actually talked a little bit with uh jake and zane after the show um because it was the first time i like i just saw a wrestling podcast and i was like okay well this you know i'll go (laughs) you know it's like i'm just gonna try and make the most of this and uh was excited for the match bought my very first wrestling t-shirt i bought one of jake's t-shirts um and they were talking about the wrestler, which I low-key like that movie. Um, and yeah, so they talked about that. It was good. It was a good taping. Um, it was, you know, so it was like I was like I was really like I had walked the floor, had gotten uh, my copy of Persona Five signed earlier um, by the voice actor Futaba, uh, which was really cool. Uh, and that was one of the signatures. Uh, there were five. There were uh, four free signatures. Um, there the, for the entire place. Uh, it was uh, Futaba, which I think this is maybe one of her first convention appear, uh, appearances. Um, or Eric, her name's like Erica Lam- Lambert. Um, I believe that was whatever it was. There was only four people that were giving out free signatures. There was uh, her, and then three voice actors from My Hero Academia. Uh, so at this point. After that podcast, bought this shirt. I'm 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 riding high, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling really good. Like 
I feel really good about this experience. You know, um, I'm feeling like great. This is like thirty because I'm thinking too. There's a wrestling. I'm getting a wrestling match out of this too. You know, at, at four thirty, I'm like, this is gonna be fucking. Yeah. Like, this is a great day. Um, and you know, and um, immediately from that point, like from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows, all I wanted to do was um, get. Uh, I, I bought a world of my hero wall scroll and I just wanted to get it signed by the three voice actors. Mm-hmm. Um, the signatures are free. I figured I should be able to do this. Uh, whether or not the, the lines were super short and it didn't look like they were long. The issue was, is they were capping the lines. Yeah. Um, and they were capping them at like 30. Mm, and okay. Yeah. And it didn't have any times posted, anything like that, no organization, whatever. Long story short, I wasn't able to get any of the signatures at all because they straight up lied to me about when they were doing the signatures. Um, and they immediately kept the lines. And I was like, I tried basically from that point to another. Um, the, the My Hero Academia lines, they had uh, the three voice, three voice actors there. They had Michael Tatum, um, Monica Rail, who was also the voice of Bulma. Um, and uh, Caitlin Glass, uh, T- uh, Michael Tatum is absolutely one of my favorite. Uh, perf- has one of my most like him. He plays like this doofy class rep that's fantastic. Uh, his performance is just so comical and like really brings a lot of life to the English the English dub. Um, the issue was those signatures were all free. Okay, uh, there was no option to pay for a signature package for them. Um, they did not have, the convention did not have times posted of when the, when they were signing. So it was not posted anywhere. Um, so immediately they have a, my hero panel that I was not able to attend for various reasons, um, which I'll go more in depth to when we won't record, uh, part of the reason why I didn't get that, uh, attend that, uh, most of it was, it was about, uh, 80% of the reason I wasn't able to attend that was because of, uh, organization. So, my Hero Academia is one of is like popping right now. It's one of the most popular things. Yeah, I mean everything uh, in San Diego around there. Like even if booths just had random, like not even exclusive stuff. Like I was walk, I walked the floor a lot this year, and then I would say probably like every minute or so, I overheard people talking about My Hero Academia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like super popular. Uh, they put them in one of the smallest panel rooms they could. Um, so you have three voice actors from arguably the next fucking Dragon Ball Z or One Piece at its height of popularity. Uh, you, you you put them in a relatively small room while uh, you give Barry Boswick and another actress from the Rocky Horror Picture Show your main hall. That's not even a quarter <laughs> full. Um, now, would the My Hero panel have been full? I don't know. There were people standing outside of the door. We ended up seeing them, the one panel a little bit, and then we said, okay, well, there's a, the panel's supposed to finish around 2.45. We'll just go and get in line for autographs at 3. Uh, they were doing autographs for approximately 15 minutes. Uh, and that's what it turned out to. Um, we got down there. As soon as we got there, about 20 minutes before that opened up, the lines were already capped at, like, the 30 people. They None of the, none of the volunteers or staff or whatever the fuck you want to call them have any kind of ex- it, knowing anything and the guy they go oh we'll just walk around for 10 minutes the line will get through 
get going and just come back. Uh, and I'm like, I like, I know they have to catch flights or whatever. I'm like, what time are they leaving? So I can basically plan the rest of my fucking day. Um, because none of this information is posted anywhere. Walk around the convention floor. That was about two forty. walk around the convention floor, come back at three Oh five and ask someone, I'm like, Hey, which lanes for what they go? Oh, they have to catch their flight. They're not signing anything anymore. Yeah, that's, that's horrible. And I was upset and I went to go to talk to the staff and uh, I'm like, hey, I'm like, this is the issue. I'm like, your people have, there's no, I'm like, look, the signature, a signature's fucking signature. Fuck it, right? It's, it was kind of be a nice little, nice little thing, whatever, but I don't fucking need it. My life isn't fucking ruined because of it. Made my day super shitty after I'd vested a shit ton of time trying to get those. Um, and the fact that your people just were not communicating anything. It, but I mean, that goes back um, to your you point earlier on of it ends up being a situation where they're not in it for the people who are there. It's obviously in it for the money because mm-hmm. to do that, then you end up putting a uh, an operational structure in place that doesn't really enhance uh, people's time or people's enjoyment. It's you're just yep. there. And because obviously, like they're not making money off the back of that session, they and I, I understand yep. that there's a lot of issues with fire marshals and fire codes because there were multiple booths that got shut down this year uh, at, at San Diego for just having a massive onrush of, of people and, and just too many people in space, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I understand the need for capped lines, no problem. But when you have people who just don't know what they're doing, they don't really care. Um, and then they just let, you know, they just tell people whatever they want. And then you come back and that's the whole reason yeah. you're there. The whole reason the person standing there for the hours, because you and, you know, a couple thousand people like you want to go and have that shared experience and they can't, you know, take the time out to actually make it worth their yeah. while to tell you correct information or help you help yep. them. So, yes. So this, this gets better. So I'm talking to the staff and She's basically totally fucking she, she's borderline rude. Um, and I'm like, look, I'm like, there wasn't an option to pay for this. There wasn't an, there wasn't an option to pay for this. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, this is something I was willing to pay for. And she's like, well, if it was anybody else, I'd be able to get it. Well, everybody else was just paying like everybody else. You paid for it. So that's a non issue. Of course, you would have to you would have to do that. But because you don't want to make sure I have a decent experience. And she's like, well, she's like, well, you should have just come. Her, her answer was her literally answer to fix my problem was, oh, just pay more money next year. Was her answer to fix the issue that I was having. And I but, told her, I'm like, I'm, I told her, I'm like, I'm not coming back next year. <laughs> like, I'm like, I've never I've done customer service for so long. And if interacted with people for so long, I could never imagine telling a customer that. Yeah, I mean, like, well, even like at that point, it's like, okay, so where are you paying more money to? Like, are you paying for a VIP package for something that didn't have any other monetary value associated with it? Are you just paying more money to have somebody stand in line for you? Are you just walking in and throwing money around so that other people go chase yeah. that and it opens yeah. li- the spot in line for you? Like, that just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah, she goes, oh, well, you should have come on Friday because it wasn't. And it turns out from talking to people at the convention, it was worse on Friday. So it was just like, I'm like sitting here, literally sitting here thinking, I'm like, you're not trying to fix this issue. You're not offering to do anything. Your customer service is shitty. Um, You basically said, told me to fuck off. 
and you're not trying to make this experience any better because you did oh it hurt i tell them like you're this is what you're said this is how you're volunteer older volunteers like okay like you train them oh they're just kids not an excuse it's just like not wanting to take responsibility for any of their actions it's like if i i know i'm not the only one who had negative experiences at that convention like and I, th- that was one of my feed pieces of feedback on San Diego this year. And, and I've had it multiple times in the past. And then, I mean, I don't really interact with many people at C2E2 just because it's a smaller con and we're generally know where we're doing or, or what's going on there. Um, but I, I mean, I was waiting in line this year, Saturday morning for ballroom 20. <clears throat> they opened the doors. I was sitting down at, um, you know, eight thirty. Uh, they weren't moving us into the room till nine forty-five. So I was pretty stationary for like an hour and fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're sitting on the wall, but then other people are walking around the top floor of the convention center to go either to get in line for getting on the expo hall floor, which is downstairs, or to other rooms that are still lining up and things like that. And there's blatantly uh, line management people and volunteers who are standing there telling people incorrect information. Yep. And I corrected them multiple times, both when they were talking to the person and then the person left them walked past me and I corrected them. Um, and, and then like one person, one of the people went to go like get a, sh- a quick shift change or a shift break and then came back and started talking to other people in line and noticeably would be like, yeah, like they, this it literally happened where they came up, somebody asked them something, they said something, they gave them an answer. The person started walking away, and I could hear the person going, "Yeah, I, I don't know what they, I don't know what they asked, or I, I don't know what the answer to the question was." So I just told them to go over there, and I'm like, <laughs> "That's not the way you answer a question." Because if that person has a question, <laughs> I can guarantee you somebody else is going to have the same question. So instead of you just telling everybody to do the wrong thing, and then all that's going to happen is. They're going to all go do something else that's going to end up being a problem for one of your teammates. And then it's just a shitty experience for both. Now you're, yep. you're, you're shitting on one of your teammates days as well as yep. all the people who are now running around trying to figure out what's, what's there yep. as opposed to listening to the people around you who pay attention and know what's going on to then relay that information in an official capacity. Now, all of that comes back to the fact that it's something where – This is, again, like you're saying, they're the organizational structure that got put in place because they're volunteers. They're this or they're that. Well, it's no. Mm -hmm. It's like the people in charge need to give a shit so that that type of ownership, that sense of responsibility rolls downhill. And it's not just they're there for two hours and then they say, fuck it and peace out. Like that's – you have to establish that at the top. Yes. And this is what's nuts, right? So one of these things that I've learned – so I was upset. Um, and I just, you know, I was like, okay, so I'm like, well, if I'm not going to get those signatures, there's no reason for me to be on the floor down here. So we just, you know, so we went to, uh, um, you know, I needed to get something to eat because, you know, um, uh, because I've been doing, I don't know if we talked about this, but I started doing keto. Uh, no, um, I did see that in the, in the group yeah. chat though, but I didn't, we yeah. haven't talked about it here or anywhere else. Yeah. So, awesome. um, yeah, so, um, I, realized i hadn't eaten at like fucking four or like 3 30 and was like shit i probably should eat today yeah and um so i and I was getting to the point where i was like i wasn't getting like uh hangry or anything but i was like definitely getting to that point like so like th- th- very little access to water 
Um, there, cause there were just so many people. It was just so like the convention center cannot deal with 50,000 people. Um, how many, many people there were, uh, I had, I've, I saw both sides of that with that amazement where there were like no people there and with, um, at, uh, uh, Supercon where there were too many people, mm-hmm. um, this they actually should have basically rented out parts of the hotel hotels around that were in walking distance of the convention for some conference rooms to basically uh, spread out some, and um, so it wouldn't be so on top of themselves. And so it's very hard. It was very hard to find water. I will say at least they had cups, uh, so they didn't they didn't they didn't expect you to dig through the trash for a cup uh, like at an amazement. Um, I'm not kidding about that. That was an actual thing. Okay. Um, the, at, at amazement, they had like this rave thing, and then one of the staff threw out the cups. So, which was in a bin full of other cups, like used cups, mm-hmm. and they refused to let you bring water bottles in. So, if you wanted water while you were basically at that event, you had to dig through the trash to get a uh, used cup. Oh, that yeah, that's horrible. Uh, because it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, best convention ever. Yeah. Fucking idiot. Um, so, you know, after I basically told that lady I wasn't coming back, uh, she didn't even apologize for like her staff not being trained. She just gave excuse, gave excuses. Yep. If you only have like 10, you have 50,000 people there and you're only paying 10 of them. You have the convention workers. You have the Raleigh, Raleigh convention center workers that you've already basically paid that are temp employees for you because they came, they come with a building. You're only paying 10 people and the rest of your staff is volunteers, which means you're not fucking paying them in real money. You're paying them in a, a fake commodity for the weekend. What the, f- like you have to do better. So I, we, I leave the convention floor, end up, go grab a hot dog. No, uh, I'll go grab a couple of hot dogs or whatever. No bun. And, uh, eat and go okay well i'm just gonna go get in line for the wrestling show because i figured nobody here is gonna end up nobody's gonna want to see this fucking wrestling show right and um because because of the convention in that and um the person what i was with kept wanting to have go to places where the food where there's just like nothing i could eat they weren't even letting people in to sit in that place that was actually open for people to, to that was actually pretty much empty. Uh, so a line formed and I don't know if last time you've been to the Raleigh convention center, but it was ballroom C. I'm trying to remember the last time. I don't remember the last time I actually been inside. Okay. So ball, the ballrooms are basically spread out on top. Um, and ballroom, you have ballroom AB, you have ballroom A, ballroom B and then ballroom C. The line basically went from ballroom C to the escalators on the other side of the hall of people. Okay. Um, which is insane because that's almost – that's about half the length of the outside building. So if you, like, drive by and, like, um, one of the streets, it would basically be a line from basically that front door to the – past the – the statue of Sir Walter Raleigh. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Like if, you, Yeah, right? Fuck, the huge S line. And, um, you know, that's if you're basic, you know, basically going from that relative. So um, I get in line, 
another time I was I saw another staff person and I was like, hey, I'm like, who runs this? And they tell me this. And I'm like, OK, I'm like, are there emails available online? I'm like, good. I'm like, good, because they're getting an email from me. And he's like, oh, whoa, 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 before we do that. And I'm explaining everything. You know, I explain the situation to him. He at least fucking apologized, but I'm still leaving him a negative review and sending off an email. Yeah. Um, which I haven't done yet. Um, but like, just like they don't like you don't train your like it's okay not to train your your volunteers. It's okay to treat guests for this thing you're trying to put in experience. Oh, we didn't realize there'd be so many people. You sold this many tickets. How are you not prepared? Exactly. You know, you're I just mean, trying when, to get more money. Yeah, I mean that's where when you're not trying to put the infrastructure in place um, to support mm-hmm. the amount of tickets you've sold ahead of time, and then you know there's going to be some attrition, but you figure that's single digit percentile, if that, and then you end up having all the people that are buying stuff, you know, coming day of. So you know, you have a good idea of what. Um, of just kind of the amount of people you're going to have there. So to, to basically skimp on that just ends up being, you know, negligence on your end to be able yep. to, to think that you're going to be able to get away with it. Yeah. And uh, because once again, it just comes back to that um, money turning kind of thing. Yep. Um, and apparently I didn't know this. They actually do multiple conventions because they do one in Florida as well. Uh, is that Florida Supercon? Yep. Okay. And um, so it's run by the same people. So if anyone listens, don't I um, so end up doing that. The re- watch this. Saw the wrestling. Wrestling was great. I saw Pyre Driver in person for the first time in a very long time. And it scared the shit out of me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've not seen one of those in person in a very long time. I was like, holy shit. Like, um, so uh, the wrestling was good. Um, went to the last panel. Uh, the dude wasn't prepared for the last panel. They were basically, um, it was about like the territories of wrestling and, and what have you. Um, the dude didn't realize he was going to be able to do it. They sent one of the poor indie guys to go try and do the panel with no prep time. Mm-hmm. As in like five minutes. Um, and the other dude ended up doing it. It was okay. Um, and the entire time, it was basically the last panel of the day. And the entire time, the convention staff was basically telling them to – the convention staff, not the, the employees of the con, were basically telling them to hurry up because they want to go home. The, uh, the, the people um, that work for the building itself and not the, the con people? Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, which is great. I've had issues with the staff at the Raleigh Convention Center before anyway um, because they tend not to be pleasant. When there's a decent event, uh, an event of maybe, I don't know, more than five or event where there's more than a thousand people, mm-hmm. um, they do not tend to be pleasant. Um, yes. So uh, all I know is that next year I'm most likely not going to uh, Supercon. Um, the best way to get the value if you decide to go to Supercon, I, I couldn't. There were some good parts or really good parts. Um, however, just the quality of the staff, uh, the volunteers that they're so unorganized, just making excuses for stuff that they should have been prepared for. Um, I just can't recommend Supercon to anyone. Um, 
I, I, it, it was just such a, such a mis. It was, they ruined what could have been such a good and unique shared experience mm-hmm. that I can't recommend it for any anybody. Um, I guarantee they're going to see a substantial drop in numbers for um for next year. Um, I don't think they're going to get back to that fifty thousand because there were people who were so upset. Uh, this is the other thing too. Uh, the other reason I can't I can't recommend it. Cancellations and they like uh, cancellations happen. I get that. Um, over a third of their guests canceled. Well, that's what I was looking at the bottom of the list there. So they've got guests, and so I'd be interested to see what was actually like who on the guest list actually made it. Um, but I mean, at the bottom, like I mean, they end up having a guest cancellations, and there's. 12 mm-hmm. 17 people that canceled um yeah a couple of big ones like mike Coulter, karen gillen christian cage sam whitmer mm-hmm. um palm clementoff yep. i didn't see some of the other folks uh other names don't ring a bell without their projects but i mean looks like some pretty mm-hmm. decent pieces of uh uh yep. ip that they've worked on um so yeah so i, I understand that people canceling stuff there so I'd, I'd be interested if there were more people than than there that canceled too uh yes um there were they had they basically what happened were so no times were advertised for anything um cancellations happen however um i think the culture of the fact that the, the cons basically refuse to fund you your money if there's a change in schedule that that has to change um for instance, there was someone who came down who spent over four hundred dollars to get a Guardians of the Galaxy photo op with Dave Bautista, uh, Karen Gillian, and Sean Gunn. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Sunday. Uh, Batista was Karen Gillian canceled like two days before the convention. Okay. Uh, but Batista showed up for a grand total of two hours on Saturday. Uh, he was advertised to be there Friday through Sunday. Uh, they did not make notes of anything to let people know whether or not they were supposed to be there, anything like that. Uh, and I kind of just felt bad for Sean Gunn because it's like, you know, he's, I mean, especially all this stuff with his brother just happened too. Yeah. And like, I mean, you got to understand, like, he's low-key having to deal with a shit ton of angry fans for something that's beyond his control because the convention didn't handle it right. Yeah, because it's shitty booking. Yeah. So, um, just tons and tons and tons and tons of cancellations. Um, the fact that they didn't plan right for the sizes of things, um, that kind of stuff. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. The fact that there's just so many conventions popping up make me think that, you know, maybe it's incredibly lucrative and, you know, maybe I should say, fuck Japan and just get in the con business and and really fucking make money off of nerdgasms and nostalgia, um, you know, go in with a fucking you know, fuck, like it's just like you know because there's so many of these popping up and there's so many um, you know, uh, it's just a lot of there's a lot of money grabs. Um, I will say uh, I was actually doing some research and one thing that I did like. Um, with Wizard uh, Wizards Con, um, they're one of these that do a lot of um, these chain kind of uh, experiences because they they're doing one in Winston Salem. Uh, 
either soon or it's already passed. But they at least, if you bought a photo op package, they gave you discounted rate on tickets. Yeah, Which is I nice, mean, right? Like that, yeah, I mean, that, you're buying packages, and it's all like you. It's it's all additive. So the fact that you can, you know save people money because they are making a lot to come out like it, it doesn't all have to be like full price across the board for yeah. everything yeah um so that was basically the one experience uh con wise it was better than an amazement um it was it was fair it was actually better than an amazement because the panels were enjoyable um from what i saw i've also just come up with a hard and fast rule especially after talking to you and supercon you can just cut Q and a panels out. Yeah. I, I just don't think it's not worth Q and a panels. Aren't worth it. Um, I, so on the other side of that is last Saturday, I actually had a pretty good pseudo, uh, convention experience. Um, the Nippon, uh, culture club of Raleigh, uh, held a Japanese festival, uh, yesterday. And, oh, nice. um, I bought the tickets in advance because you know it was five dollars versus six dollars. Um, the main thing is that if you bought your tickets in advance, you got to go into the festival early by two okay. hours uh, before it opened to the general public. Uh, tried some food, saw some vendors. They were trying. Um, was able to try some fried octopus, that kind of stuff. Um, it, a lot of stuff. It, it sucks because there's a ton of stuff that wasn't keto friendly, and I had to be like, oh, "I'm not gonna have all of that. I'm not gonna eat four, four things of ice cream." Um, even though I wanted to. Um, had some octopus prepared several different ways. Um, so I, you know, I tried a lot of stuff like that. It was nice. I was able to go through the vendors. I got a couple books. Uh for the you know one for the trip um to maybe help set up the itinerary um and that but that was a nice experience now other people i saw on their facebook page weren't having nice experiences uh because they didn't buy their tickets early and they weren't prepared for the volume okay right another one where that you're just not prepared for people lining up and all of that stuff or how popular people are there to actually buy stuff and to be in their defense it's a Japanese cultural festival. You're not expecting to fill up a venue that's two and a half times size, two and a half times the size of another venue you had the year before. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it went from basically the point of, you know, maybe they had maybe 5,000 people come through there. Um, and you already assumed you already doubled. You tried to address an issue that was still an issue. And most of that, the issues actually came down to the state fair workers, um, because they were basically running the ticket purchases at the window. Um, and they only had two people. So, um, there are folks that didn't have a good experience at that, but, um, because they didn't buy their tickets in advance. Um, I, it was a little different, uh, because by the time all those people started lining up, um, I, we were the person I went with and I, we were already done. Um, so that was actually a nice, um, thing. I didn't get to do everything I wanted to. I didn't get to leave a wish on the wish tree. Um, but, uh, it was nice. The food was pretty good. Um, it was, it was actually cool because, um, there was a, um, older Japanese woman. So all the people that were preparing the food were Japanese. 
Um, and there was this older Japanese woman there, and basically Loki had a recipe for uh, croquettes that was so they were so fucking good. Um, like so, one of the things I've learned, like dabbling with Japanese cuisine a little bit, is that panko breadcrumbs are fucking fantastic. Oh yeah, they are. For whenever you want to have something fried, but you still want it to be light fucking panko that bad boy and you're gonna be ecstatic with, with the result and um it was like this fucking piece the fucking panko with the fucking japanese mayo and some of the the there's like specific sauces that basically go with panko and um croquettes were so fucking good i, I literally could have just stopped like i i tried a couple bites of my friends and uh i literally could have like gone and said fuck keto today I'm eating all this ice cream and eating all these fucking croquettes this lady's making. Um, but it was, it was like really good. Um, it was fun. I got some books. Um, it was a nice, pleasant experience uh, where it felt people actually kind of cared about the experience and they were trying. And the main difference there is that that cultural festival was an all-volunteer force. Mm-hmm. So it was basically a, a club trying to do something for the community, which is totally fucking different than trying to milk people out every last time that they have and the food was reasonably priced it was two dollars a piece for those cro- uh, croquettes i fucking bought an uh, uh an udon and uh, not an udon um i bought like a like a pseudo bento that was six dollars um they had ramen bowl of ramen was six bucks i actually make pretty good ramen um and not like fucking top top ramen like i actually make the broth and 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 do all that and uh it's actually really fucking good um where i fucking uh slow simmer a fucking pork belly um so fucking good and um you know they had that they had uh soba uh, even they, they even had the fucking uh the corn uh grilled corn with soy sauce oh wow that's um, good yeah it's really that stuff's really fucking good um you know, they had the melon cakes, all that kind of stuff. They had even had Japanese beer. Um, it was nice. Uh, my favorite part of the entire thing was running into. Uh, I'm feeling better about my chances applying to Jet, and I know this sounds stupid, and this is just one of those things. But so I go in there, and I'm like, I look at my friend, I go like, Oh fuck it, let's go see what the vendors have, right? You know, it's, you know, it's it's a small festival. I knew it was from basically 11 a.m. to 7. I knew I wasn't staying till 7. I knew it was just going to be a couple, you know, a couple hours, but it's fine for five dollars, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first thing we see is there's a uh, person for Jet, uh, which is one of the premier ALT programs uh, that people would sign up for to go overseas to teach in Japan. He's just sitting there. It's just. Uh, uh, business, a uh, business uh, aged Japanese man in a suit with pamphlets, just sitting there smiling, <laughs> kind of handing out pamphlets. And I tried to engage him a little bit. Uh-huh. Like I was like, "Oh, cool!" I was like, cause, "You know, of course, I'm wearing this doofy Golden Girls shirt or whatever." I mean, I'm not going to a Japanese festival to look professional, right? Uh-huh. So I'm just sitting there, and I've got this stupid shirt with the fucking Golden Girls on it. And, you know, I'm in jeans. I've got my camera bag. And I'm like, oh, great. Like, I was, I'm actually looking for a lot of this information. And I, you know, I was like, you know, just kind of think, you know, I was like, I'm going to take a couple of these. That's okay. And he's like, you know, shakes his head. I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, thank you. And like, he didn't like, 
usually I'm like, oh, I'm looking for this. This is like really actually information. You know, like you like usually with almost ninety percent of the people, if they have a booth and you say that, there's going to be a conversation. <laughs> like, oh shit, you have information I need. Thank yeah. you. They're like, oh, you need this. Go on. I'm the reason you're uh, here doing this stuff. Like, you should engage yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. I, so I am your target audience. So. Honestly, I can understand why he might not have um, and just kind of just sat there shaking his head. Maybe his English wasn't great. Um, And maybe Jet was like, just go uh, 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 Suzuki, just go hand out these flyers. And uh, (laughs) are you sure you want me and not Ted? (laughs) And they're like, you've got it. Ted's busy. And okay, all right, I'll go do it. And um, and you know his English might not have been that strong, um, and uh, especially because he was dressed way too formally for the. Um, so uh, there was that, but like the people that you would did a Japanese festival anyway probably aren't the kind of people that you would want to be cr- recruiting for like a business. Kind of thing about 90% of the time, right? You don't want someone that's, you know, wearing a foxtail on cat ears to be like, that. that's, you know, that's like wasted energy. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's not like there are a lot of people there that probably aren't necessarily holding themselves or understand how to hold themselves professionally. Um, and you probably get a lot of kids in high school and this and that asking questions. And he very easily could have just been like, I'm not answering any more stupid questions. I'm just going to pretend not to understand anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, real talk, if I had the option to do that, I would do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, I mean, that was, I mean, that was overall a pretty good experience. Um, but the difference there, the difference in experience there was the level, level of care. Like the they even took they even the the culture club even went as far as to actually put together like the menu so you knew what you would be getting, um, made sure everything tied in and they tried their hardest to put on a good experience for everybody, and that's the difference. Like it wasn't about the money; it was about them trying to create a shared experience, mm-hmm. and. That was cool, and it was arguably one of the best things I've gone to in recent memory where there's been um, shared experience stuff. Um, now it'll be interesting because uh, I have Southeast Game, uh, Game Exchange in two weeks, two weeks. Um, and I'm interested to see if maybe that is another smaller event to, to see if that can actually deliver a, the same kind of experience. Mm-hmm. Um or not the same kind of, but the same quality of experience. Um, and yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm very much uh, looking forward to that. And uh, it was actually my time at SuperCon actually made me put together the uh, that list I sent you. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll <laughs> check it out with that in mind and, yeah. and see what that means. <laughs> uh, because I was just there was a lot of things I was uh, de- dealing with there. So, um, but yeah, I mean that's pretty much the recap of that. Uh, if you're in the Raleigh area the next year when they do the Japanese festival, check it out. It's worth it. Food was um, the food was actually pretty good across the board. Um, the SuperCon is probably a hard pass. 
And I think they're going to see, I think that's the way they're operating these conventions like this. I think it's going to catch up to folks in the ass and bite them. Yeah, I mean, it's going to have to. Like, um, I've heard of multiple stories where it ends up being a case where it was pretty much uh, overnight that they, like, again, like some of these places just disappeared, took people's money and ran with it. Um, mm-hmm. They're, like, it, it's always a... Uh, what day of the week is it, whether or not the wizard world is going to stay alive and be around. Um, and so, I mean, there's, uh, I mean, looking at the parent company of, uh, of Supercon of Raleigh Supercon, which is super conventions. Uh, they do Florida Supercon, Raleigh Supercon, Louisville Supercon, animate Florida and paradise city comic con. So then they've got just five shows all on their own. Um, there's the heroes and villains fan fest. There's the Walker stalker cons, yeah. um, which I mean that in of itself has a mostly a life cycle built around the walking dead shows. Um, and then you've got uh wizard world. You've got uh read pop, which does a handful of shows. Um, and I mean, they, they do star Wars celebration, which is every so often. Um, and then uh, I mean, you still have, Ace Comic Con is another one. That's the one that's here in in October. Um, then there's uh, like, the, and then there's still a couple individual ones where they just do like one or two. Because um, like the company CCI Comic Con International does Comic Con in San Diego and then WonderCon in Anaheim. Um, and then I don't know who puts on Emerald City Comic Con. Um, so I mean, you end up having all of these cons all over the place, and I, it's great for people that want to go to um, and to have different levels of access and different price points and knowing kind of which ones stars are targeting and, and what you can do. And and so mm-hmm. it ends up being something depending on on what you're doing. Just a how much you're charging people for it, and then b like what are they getting out of it? Because if it's just going to the same show floor over and over again it's nothing more than a glorified swap meet at that point. So you need to start giving something back. Um, And that's where, you know, the programming and the guests and the easier access or the better access to guests and things like that come in. Um, And, it just you know people submitting panels and that's why i'm very interested in seeing like the panel count rise for c2e2 and some of the the other shows that i go to that aren't san diego um because again like i get the floor is is much the same but having the unique content that you're there and like i mean the the wrestling show that was in raleigh would have been awesome like in in other contexts i'm interested to see if they have anything like that uh here just based on how big of a, a wrestling town chicago is um mm-hmm. To, to do some of that stuff where, again, it's one-off, it's interesting, it's unique, as opposed to just, you know, showing up, riding on the coattails of, you know, all the other IP, and then trying to take people's money from it. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how long that's going to end up having a uh, um, a lifespan in and of itself. Yeah, like, I, um, I, yeah, like, I... I, I the thing is, is that if you can't create good fan experiences, you're going to actually damage you're, you're going to damage what you, you have. Um, another thing, too, is that I don't know about you, but the, the, some of the conventions I've been to down here, um, they've gotten super complacent uh, where the panels are the exact same panels year after year. Mm-hmm. I've been to two conventions where the panels have been the exact same year after year. Uh, that's not good. Um, you know, if you have a popular panel, that's fine to run that. Um, but playthrough, uh, the first time I went to playthrough, uh, all the panels were exactly the same as this last time I went. 
Um, and they've only been open for three years. So you're telling me you've only got eight ideas. You've got, you know, 10 ideas for panels and that's it. Um, uh, and amazement apparently had a lot of overlap panels. Um, so yeah, I think, I don't know if you get that up that, up that way. Um, but down here, there's been a lot of that. The most of the stuff, I mean, year to year, there ends up being a handful of panels and most of the, the panels that I go to that are similar content or like same speakers are generally, um, they generally end up covering, uh, new stuff within the past year. So, you know, it's in a series, so it may be something where it's still current, but it's not something that is an IP, like an IP that doesn't have any new content so that it's still just talking about the same old stuff. Um, so most of the time I don't get bit by that. Um, but it is, it is, I'm very interested in the fact that there are, um, a burgeoning number of social issues, social commentary panels that are, um, having it be much more of a, um, a a commonplace as opposed to just more of the, uh, pretty much, yeah, standard Q and a or fan experience. Um, and it just ends up being a, a bigger issue, um, because it's just the same blatant content and you like, you can tell that there's like no planning that goes into it as opposed to just having, you know, a very awkward 45 minutes for everybody who wants to hear from, uh, (laughs) the personality or the people that they paid money to see, as opposed to the guy that wants to like, I mean, there was somebody in the, this is us panel at C2E2 that, you know, got up and asked, uh, Justin Hartley to take his shirt off uh, and he was asking for his friend. Um, And so you have questions like that, which again, make it super (laughs) awkward, super ridiculous. The only saving grace there was that uh, Milo Ventimiglia had a really good comeback and you turn that into like a teaching moment as far as saying like words have power. You may have been doing it for a friend, but think about what you're saying because you know, they're asking you to do that and you're the one doing it as opposed to them. Um, so, you know, if the tables were turned, how would you feel, et cetera? So like he, right. he was able to whip that around and make it a really good moment, but it's like, that's not the experience you're paying for. Like, I mean, you're not going right. to a con to, to go through that and to help, uh, you know, shepherd other people through, through learning moments. You're there to enjoy. And I mean, pretty much, everything that for, you know, the 98% of the topics that, that we talk about here, um, is, you know, your love of nostalgia, the, the things that make you whole, um, and, and, you know, and why you love the things you love, um, as opposed to like watching people fumble through awkward questions that just Mm -hmm. like for most of the time, given a half hour slot, it's going to, somebody's going to ask something similar, like two minutes beforehand. Yeah, the um so some of the gem questions I've heard during the Ray Mysterio Q&A apparently were if you go back to the WWE can I be your tag partner? Um and then the one from the Rocky Horror Picture Show Q&A uh do you think S- Sylvester Stallone as uh, ever goes to the Rocky Horror Picture Show as the character uh, portraying the character Rocky Balboa? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that ba- the the combination of those two questions and the experience is that you go to a Q and A to basically find out something you might not have known before, um, or to get more insight. However, Q and A is just you don't get that from Q and A's. Um, I think Q and A's would actually be a lot better if the first fifteen minutes 
of a Q&A or the first, you know, or the first two thirds of a Q&A were basically spent with the person who's doing the Q&A talking about their experience with the item that you're there for or their experiences and talking about that. That way, if you talk about it, you could maybe go, you know, if you talk about if you're, you know, in like if you're, you know, an artist or or anything like that, you know, you're talking about your experience with that. That's going to take a lot of those dumb questions out. Right. Like. Mm -hmm. I, I just think, you know, that's how that should go. But uh, I think Q&As kind of end up – how do I say this without sounding like a jackass? Q&As are pretty – they put low low um, pressure on the person that's doing the Q&A mm-hmm. prep time-wise. Um, so – Well, again, it. I mean to me it feels just like a cop-out because – yeah. Like and I understand based on working at uh, trade conventions and things like that and all of that stuff. Like I understand, like a lot of work goes into what seems like small talk, um, and so that's why, like, when you have um, good content and you have good guests and good moderators, it goes a long way. And it is something that seems like um, it goes a long way, or. It seems like it's you take it for granted because it doesn't seem like it should be that that hard of work. Um, but it 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 is something that that takes a lot of work to to make what seems something so simple to have a high quality to or a high level of quality to. Um, so when you have all of these panels that are forty five minutes to an hour, and you only have five to ten minutes of non audience generated content. It feels like a cop out. It feels like a money grab, and it feels like all like you're not doing your part for me to pay you the money to do this. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, if I if I if I wanted to just have this type of interaction, you know, I could go try to like stalk where they film and just watch people there, as opposed to like, okay, now I just let everybody else ask a question. It's like, no, like I want to hear from the person, like with some genuine material, as opposed to whatever you're saying. Um, or, you know, whatever the, the crowd is suggesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's the way I basically feel about those two. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, now I know, you know, what to kind of expect, um, you know, from the conventions around here, um, you know, with my limited time left in, in North Carolina, knock on wood, um, you know, I, I kind of know what to expect and whether or not they're actually worth it to, um, to, to check out. Um, you know, I just was really uh, excited for a lot of this. I was actually really excited to get that wall scroll signed um, by the My Hero folks. But, you know, it, it poor planning, you know, that's. You can have a lot of angry folks and, you know, you combine the poor planning with loose Q&As and, you know, the dude, I, we, um, well, the person I was with was smoking, um, they, uh, we were talking to someone else and they were basically talking about um, how they spent money there and they just didn't feel it was worth it at all. Like, they, like this experience wasn't worth it. And it's like, yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Um 
And and that's a bummer. Like, you know, for me, if I wasn't into wrestling, like, I was there for the comics. Or uh, no, no. To be fair, I'm not a huge comic guy. Um, and I, uh, the only one I really know of new note there was Larry Hama. That's because he created Bucky O'Hare. Oh, and GI Joe. But, um, I'm just there for Bucky O'Hare. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> he's a space rabbit. And um, so yeah, like, you know, it was. I could totally see that. Like, you know, I could like for me. I think the weekend passes for the Friday, Saturday, Sunday were, um, seventy dollars. Um, was like sixty to seventy dollars. Now, if you got three wrestling matches, you throw on that panel, and then you threw in like two other panels, that's actually totally worth it for the entire weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're not into that stuff and you're just trying to make it, that stuff's not going to be there for you. Now, would I pay thirty dollars? You know, would I have paid? Would I have been happy for? You know, that that experience for that. You know, the highlight shouldn't be the the highlight shouldn't be the stuff that's necessarily kind of just filling in the blanks. Yeah, the highlight shouldn't be the tangential stuff. Like, I mean, that's all the stuff where like you. Yeah. The highlights shouldn't be the stuff you use to like flesh out the rest of the just the the schedule. Yeah. yeah. And that's and I'll make that clear. That's not a knock on those guys. They put on a fantastic show. Um, you know, it was a good it was a good show, and I know they put on a lot of good shows. I mean, for fuck's sakes, I saw somebody bust out a Falcon Falcon's arrow, which was awesome. <laughs> um which is one of my favorite uh one of my favorite moves. Uh, I like a good spine buster and a good Falcon's arrow. Nice. Um, because I could probably do one of those. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, you know, it, it, you know, that's that's the big thing. And that's like generally like the big issue with at least I'm starting to see with conventions. So I want to tell, you know, this is basically sort of just like because we do talk about our convention experiences a lot here. And, you know, for any of our listeners or whatever, it's like just kind of be mindful of those situations where you're going into those and it probably helps to do a little bit of research beforehand on um on the convention that you're going to and try to see what to expect um you know it i wish i'd done like a little bit more research before supercon but you know i'd kind of forced my way into having the day off anyway so mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah, there's uh, there is that. Was I feel like there's something else we we're going to talk about too. Uh, we had mentioned Cloak and Dagger last week, but we still have a couple of episodes left on that, so we'll, we'll okay. definitely be catching up on that. We've we were at episode two before we watched four this week, and then we'll get through the next four this upcoming okay. week. Um, and then so yeah, we can talk about that uh, next week. But that was the only thing I knew of that we uh, okay. we had on the books to talk about. Okay. Yeah, I was trying to I was trying to think too of what. Cause, okay, so there's cloak and dagger. We can talk about that. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Um, oh, uh, you know, I finally found a shop to play UFS. I mean, oh, nice. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, after basically being told to fuck off by every other place I've asked about it, you know what makes it even worse is that. Jasco is so hard. So they're so they're working really hard to try and build their player bases. They have a format called Turbo Format, 
And it's basically like super, it's like, think about like a super limited standard or like mm-hmm. block constructed. It's, it's the decks are smaller. Um, and it's only like the most for, current four sets. It makes it really easy to get product in and out for your players. They give you, if you basically say you'll be a premier store, they send you over two cases of product for free. Oh, wow. Yes. And promos and all that stuff. And the only caveat is that once you sell it all, you basically replace what you sell. Meaning? That's the only caveat. Oh, okay. They said, they, they said Yeah. Okay, so yeah, they, they send, send you a you, bunch of stuff, and then you, once you sell it, then you just buy more of it to put back out there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I've never understood people who have basically... I've never understood the, the rationale behind some of these places I've been. Because they're not going to charge you whatever the what you charge for the box to make your money off. To You know, like, they're not going to charge you full retail for what the box tells you're going to get a distributor price. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm, I'm excited. I'm actually going to try and go and I was finally able to get my cowboy bebop box. Nice. I was so excited. Um, I went to, this has been a struggle for me to get this. Um, I was actually close to just ordering offline. Um, the, my local store, uh, which I'm not going to name, um, I tried to, I basically was like, can you order this for me? And anytime I try to have anything ordered, they tell me no, mm-hmm. even though the distributors carry it. I'm like, can you tell me how much this was be? So if you could go to order it, I'll just pre I'll pay you for it now. Yeah. Right now. Not going to do that. I go to another local store. Uh, the price for the item is $30 over the price I could get it online with shipping included. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. And then I randomly checked out this new store, uh, new local store that's been here for about a couple years. And I uh, checked them out and was like, oh, shit. Like, you have this? And I traded some magic cards for it. Oh, nice. And yeah. So they're real slip. You know, the dude's like, "Uh, come on back. He's like, you come back, um, you know, and, you know, I'll give you a couple of the promos. Um, I'm like, awesome. Because, you know, I I love UFS. Um, it's the game that they just came out with a Mortal Kombat set. Um, it's the game that fucking plays. Like, it's the fighting game. It, it plays. It's a card game fighting game. And that's exactly how it plays. Um, or it's a fighting game card game. And, and it, it, you know, um, that's how it feels like it plays. It's really interesting. Um, I mean, I love the, the Turbo series. I was uh, telling a, a, our mutual acquaintance, Jim, about it. Uh, the Turbo series, basically what they do is they hold a lot of... They basically have F&Ms. Um, and the winner of their F, the F&M or whatever, the Turbo format, they earn points. And then the top like eight point earners basically face off to win a sports car. <laughs> like... That's pretty impressive. It's kind of neat. Like... Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like the entry is like five bucks. Jasco sent it up because they're just trying to build their fucking game. Yeah, they're just trying to build up the player base. And, you know, I think I think it's neat. I I like it. I mean, the fact that real talk, I mean, there's, you know, not more than 10,000 players stateside. I can almost guarantee that, 
you know, if you basically set that up, all of a sudden, you know, you're in the top ranking for winning a fucking sports car. That's pretty damn. That sweet. would be neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I mean, and not a lot of work. <laughs> it just to play a fucking game. What? Fuck yeah! All about that. So I'm I'm gonna try and sneak by that place uh, Tuesday. I'm trying to rope locals into uh, coming out that have have uh, at least talked about mildly being interested in it to to get them come out to come out and and play because um, I want to see some Scorpion versus Spike. Or uh, Chun Li versus, uh, you know, Mega Man. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Or something. Something. Yeah, it's it's just so fun and it's so stupid. The other thing is that the game's relatively inexpensive too. Um, you know, your box prices are going to be your box prices, but the number of when you what I love about this game is that if you open a box, um, you get close to a playset of every common and uncommon. If you don't get a play set. That's yes. awesome. Uh, now, the rares in your ultra rares, yeah, good luck with that. But, um, you know, it's like five or six ultra rares per box, which is nice for 24 packs. Um, so that's nice. I mean, I was excited. Like, I, mean, I haven't bought a card game in a long time and bought a box and been like, I have play sets of all the commons and uncommons. I've, I haven't bought a set like that and done that in ever, mm-hmm. you know, you buy back to magic and it's just fucking, wait, that's what you have to buy at least what three K, uh, three boxes of magic. set of the commons and uncommons, if you're lucky because the print run on the uncommons gets wonky. Yeah. I mean, I've had boxes where it's been like either none or like one of just, you know, not even, and I mean, I know they're not looking at power level of cards, but like the chase on commons where you get like none, but then you get uh, a ton of them that are like, you get like seven of one and, you know, none of another one. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm excited about that. And so we'll probably, you know, I'll touch base with that again. I, I get so close to just wanting to give up the magic and just dive in. Um, I mean, they, they were talking about their standard format still has sets from like five years ago. Like, <laughs> Jessica maybe releases two to sets a year, buying two boxes of a set, you know, it gets you a couple of the decent cards. I think the play sets are four, but, um, the number of 20 and $30 cards is the 20 and $30 cards are your high end. Mm-hmm. Um, which is nice. Uh, I remember when standard used to be like that. Um, but yeah, so, uh, there's that. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I feel like I'm forgetting something. Well, now that that's there, I, uh, I'm getting the itch to get back into, uh, overpower. So I may end up going, uh, digging into some of that stuff and looking to see where, where some of the deals are to, to do that. But I've also been on the search lately to be able to store, uh, my existing magic stuff in better, um, in better, uh, boxes and form factors and all that stuff. So mm. I probably, I, I won't jump and take the, the bite there until I have a better way to store that. Once I purge some of the stuff from my bookcase now, but, uh, that's definitely something that, uh, 
I every time I go home, I wish that I ended up finding more and more uh, stuff at my dad's house that I had left there. Where <laughs> maybe maybe I just keep looking where there there's got to be something somewhere in here where there's still a uh, there's still uh, a you know, a hidden box of overpowered cards here somewhere. There's still a compartment somewhere I hadn't checked. So that's uh, that's what I keep looking at, but I, I just have to make the jump eventually. Now, do they – is that is that technically a dead CCG or do they still print it? No, it's it's. I'm pretty sure it's been dead for close to 15 years, if not more. Okay. Give me one second here. Um, I'm going to check my little secret hidey hole. For to see if I can find you a place to order that whenever you get around to want it. Well, it's interesting uh, just checking out some prices. Like some of the the sets that were super cheap, uh, and this was again like probably working with distributors, figuring out print runs and all of that stuff. But like looking at like the boxes of stuff that were super cheap to buy when we were playing when I was in like middle school, high school, like there's one booster box that's 60 bucks. And then one of the other ones that was more of the chase set. And I guess more of a rare set, uh, a booster box is 480. Um, so it ends up being something where there's, there's still a little bit of a varied spectrum there. Oh, uh, uh, speed racer CCG. That's weird. Um, let's see. It's not pumping up under there. Yeah. Dang it. It's not on my site, which makes me sad. I am. God, I, I have a, I don't know about you, but like, um, I, magic's fine. Um, but I know if I was exposed to like some of these other TCGs when I was a kid, and like there were actual communities for. I didn't start playing Magic until I was out of college. Mm-hmm. Um, I because I had played I had played Yu Gi Oh uh, competitive Yu Gi Oh for a long time, and that's what John and I would do. And I actually kind of you know spent a few dollars to to get some Yu Gi Oh cards to play again to play with John again. And because um, uh, uh, he's his Magic decks have you know slipped a little bit more casual. And I figured maybe if I do that, it'd be something he, he would kind of have some competitive stuff for. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I started that and did that. I, ugh, I thought those Yu-Gi-Oh folks are very interesting folks. Um, just how they kind of can kind of conduct themselves i will say that if they know you they seem like the kind of folks that'll give you give you their shirt off their back uh but other than that it's kind of kind of tough um just trying to find singles and the cards aren't even expensive like i'm trying to buy cards from the dude that's the dude that's vending there and it's like you know he i point to like six cards and he tells the price on these cards are like one to three dollars a piece and I had to ask him three times to pull the cards mm-hmm. because apparently spending $10 on singles was like unheard of. Yeah. And like I told him, I had to literally look him in the face and go, I play Legacy Magic. That's all I play. I'm probably going to give you 40 fucking dollars today for some singles. Just pull what I tell you to fucking pull. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just realized for... it's just easier to buy it on. 
Yeah, I know. I was gonna say the same thing. Where like lately, I've just been playing less Legacy and more um, playing in just uh, Commander. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, I've I've just like thrown like a shit ton of Commander decks together. Probably in the past month, like I've had three for like the past year, and I've probably put together like four or five within the past month, just because it's with how busy my damn schedule is, I just haven't been able to play legacy in a consistent format or consistent schedule. Um, and so there were a handful where I'm just like going in and like looking for random, uh, cards and I keep like all the shops I'm going to when I'm just there. Incidentally, I just keep looking for the most randomest singles and they're like, where, what are you doing? And I'm just like, I, it's, it's for a deck. Like I, I, I know what I'm looking for, but if you don't have it, I'll just get it offline. Um, and so that's where most of the time, that's where it's been a handful of, of them where it's just been so much easier just to plop a, a bulk order in, uh, in TCG player for 40 cards and it's, you know, seven bucks. Uh, yes. I did find your, uh, your overpower stuff here. You can buy a booster pack for $2 or eight starter boxes for eighteen. Hmm. Yeah, I'll send you. I'll send you that over. Now with this site, I will say the shipping's a fucking pain in the ass. But um, if you have a soft spot for dead CCGs like I do, um, I I don't know why I like them so much. Um, I think I'm just honestly a sucker for cardboard. Um, like I actually, when I was, uh, when I got laid off last year, I actually really got into, uh, the Yu Yu Hakusho, uh, Hakusho, uh, TCG, mm-hmm. uh, cause that game fucking power creep is real. And there's only like eight sets if the power creep is real. <laughs> so, um, that was, that was fun. Um, I just played some like I know you mentioned um, overpower, but how many TCGs did you get into as a kid? I mean, it was mostly uh, Magic. Big. I mean, I started playing overpower first before Magic, so most of the the stuff that I played and bought stuff into was uh, was overpower. Um, and then it was Magic. One of my our other friends had most of the uh, Mech Warrior um, TCG. So he mm-hmm. he had almost all of that stuff. So I mean, most of the time between overpower, we we generally had like a dra- like our own little draft format that we had made for overpower, um, and then like similar to Mech Warrior um, and like building decks. So we didn't really have many like established decks or stuff like that. So the majority of the stuff was um, Magic was far and away like the kind of always the big one. Um, but then I want to say. Overpower Mech Warrior. Um, I played Yu-Gi-Oh for a little bit um, in college, but it was only like having like a couple of starter decks, and that was it. Um, so I didn't really go deep. Like I enjoyed the cartoon um, and some of the other stuff, but that was I never really you know went deep into that. And that was one where I knew like that had a lot of issues with uh, strategy and power keep and management of like sets and all of that stuff. Um, and so, I mean, those were probably it. In college, they had some uh, folks that most of it was 
probably about like two thirds to one third of like the um, the CCG group at, at Penn State, where um, it was Magic versus like the original Star Wars CCG. Um, and so that there were uh, a couple of or there were a lot of people um, that were uh, playing that, and that was one where I only tangentially like watched some games, but I never really got into it. Like I wanted to more. Um, but like I wasn't, I never, you know, jumped into to there. So that was pretty much it. Yeah. Um, well, this site, will, this site will let you do it, man. You got all the old, all the old dead TCGs. I um. So I think what got me hooked as a kid was was Pokemon. Um, my mom and I actually did a Pokemon League. Um, at Toys R Us, rip. Um, hey, how many podcasts has it been since I mentioned Toys R Us? Uh, <laughs> a couple. Yeah, we're doing good. Uh, uh, we're doing good. Um, and we did that at like Books a Million and that, and then that turned into uh, Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, but I was just, I was just a fiend for card games. Um, I had the Digimon card game. Uh, the Harry Potter card game I tried to get into, which actually I think that Harry Potter card game is probably really fucking good. Um, and I actually want to check it out more. Uh, they only have like two or three sets. And um, there's that. There's the X-Men card game, uh, which RK posted art for. Um, and uh, which I didn't realize until I until GP Boston when I was like flipping through one of his binders and I'm like, why the fuck do you have a storm token in here from X Men? And he's looking at me like, because I did the art, dumbass. And I'm like, <laughs> oh shit, oh shit! I opened those games and had no friends to play with. So thank you for reminding me. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So there was that. Um, there's the Dragon Ball Z CCG. Um. Which I had no one to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought all of these card games that needed two people, and I had one person. Um, now it was easy to find a game, play a game Pokemon. Um, but and then I finally got it. I got into Yu-Gi-Oh um, because I was still a dweeb at like twelve years old. That was like, you know, I fucking, I, you know, I I could have been a Pokemon grinder, Rick. Um, but, like, my entire league, basically, they all switched over to playing Yu-Gi-Oh! So they would meet for the Pokemon League, but they'd all be playing Yu-Gi-Oh! And I was like, oh, man, all right, well, I guess we'll just switch it over to Yu-Gi-Oh! And so, we, you know, my mom and I actually ran that uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! thing for a bit and got some of their first promotional shit from uh, Konami and would get free product from time to time. And, um... I, I did that, and I played Yu-Gi-Oh. I ended up with some magic cards, um, like in middle school. And once again, I had no one to play with and didn't understand. I knew knew enough how it worked. Um, played a little bit in high school. Had a group of magic uh, that I played magic, but like I just didn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually do think I, I actually you mentioned overpower. I do think I got my hands on a pack of overpower at one point. Um. I remember opening a Doctor Doom in it, um, and I was disappointed because it was Doom. <laughs> but yeah, which is funny is because now you ask me like who my fucking favorite villains are, I'm like Doctor Doom, that motherfucker. Yeah, it was like he's the dude's living the fucking dream. He's got robots, his own country, and he's like nobody fucks with Doom. 
Um, so, oh god, and then uh, did that, played Yu-Gi-Oh, then got back into Magic in college. My favorite thing is when I'd actually started really playing Magic. I had traded like forty dollars in Magic and uh, Yu-Gi-Oh cards for, um, for uh, in Elf the uh, the Elf Aldrazi list from okay. from that standard with Rise. Um, I guess like minus Fetchlands. Um, but for Nissa, all that, and my favorite thing to do is I would go up to we'd go I'd go up to Hillside with my two, my one Yu Gi my two Yu Gi Oh buddies who uh, one of them played Magic primarily, and I would sit down and be like, Hey man, do you want to play games? He'd be like, Okay, sure. And I'm like, All right, well, this is only my second week playing or whatever, <laughs> and I would just beat the shit out of them, <laughs> you know, because I've been playing CCG. Advantage is advantage in fucking any card game, right? <laughs> like. Um, I have more dudes than you can handle, so I'm probably gonna win. Um, they were like, "Jesus Christ!" I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> um, but um, we did that. We did, you know, did some of the Yu-Gi-Oh. I came back. Uh, my local shop playing at. So nobody was in it, and uh, I ended up trading my stuff to. Um, I ended up selling off my trade binder for like thirty fucking dollars to this scumbag, um, and proceeded to trade my deck for some Yu-Gi-Oh cards to one of the guys up there who's actually no longer with us. And within the three months that he did that, that I did that, he started getting everybody up there to play Magic on Fridays. Mm-hmm. So I'm like. I literally just told you my shit because nobody up here was using it. This is the other thing, too, is I I don't know if you've noticed this. Um, So back when we were coming up, there were a lot of people who played multiple card games. Mm -hmm. And that's at least what I'm seeing. That's not the case anymore. They would always play like magic in another card game or a card game in another card game. Now it seems that people are, are very linked to one card game. And I think it, most of the time it ends up being magic, but I think it's because of the cost. Um, because magic's taking up so much of their money, they can't do other stuff. Um, you know, the difference between, you know, you could spend 300, I mean, you could buy fucking, you could probably get a case of UFS for 400 bucks. What does that get you in modern nowadays, right? Yeah, like four hundred bucks gets you maybe uh, a playset of blue fetch it. Yeah, uh, play maybe set a playset of stuff. Of, yeah, um, you know, or in legacy, that doesn't even get you a blue duel anymore. Um, or I mean, it would, but you're not gonna like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, or even in standard, that might get you a standard deck. Like, you couldn't buy four boxes of Magic... You couldn't buy four boxes of, like, a current Magic set and just play that. You know, you couldn't buy four, a box of each of the last Magic's, last four Magic sets and just play that. Because you don't have all the pieces that you... The, the pieces are too spread out because the sets are too big. Mm-hmm. Um, because they drafted. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, I... It's interesting that our journeys to magic 
and very very our, our journeys through tcgs are kind of similar in the same way but kind of different um like it's like you kind of chose magic i kind of just settled on it yeah <laughs> and like the first thing like i am not loyal to magic at all and like the first thing oh that's what i wanted to tell you okay so see we got uh, there yes this is what i was thinking this is probably what we'll end on let me finish the magic thing real quick like i uh i'm not loyal to card games very much because each time a new prettier one comes along with something i'm more into that's where i'm going um because you know this you know the story that i tell people that I, that I tell folks about how it took me two years of playing Geist of St. Traft to realize that the card on Geist, the card art on Geist was a fucking ghost. Uh-huh. After having like multiple foil play sets and multiple promos, it didn't take it. It, it, it took me to get to the world, sh- world magic cup qualifier art. Go, Oh shit. That is a Geist. <laughs> Cause I never fucking looked at it before. Yeah. I mean, there's, I there's a handful of card I, arts I, that are, that are just like that to me. Um, so I took, uh, the, the Ingram, the, the, the personality test. Okay. The, yeah. The Enneagram. Yes. Um, and it looks like my primary type is a six, which is the loyalist. Mm -hmm. And the reason that it looks like we got the. when we did it i ended up testing on the five is because one of the wings of that is the nine which gets mistaken for the fives when the when the when the nine self-evaluate well yeah i mean when when you did that the the test we got a the top three were a six and eight and a five in that order yeah so i mean so when when we self-tested on the episode you you ended up getting your six as the top one yeah so, um, yeah, that was, you know, I, I figured that was fun. I, I read more about that, but I did take it. So we did confirm it. Um, uh, so that's like super confirmed that I'm a six on a scale of one to ten. Um, but, yeah, so I did I did do that. Um, yeah, that was that was fun. Um, I, I just I, that's, I took that. I did that like I think right after we did that, too. And I was like, <laughs> I just remembered it because the loyalist is ironically, eh, it's not really loyal to anybody until they like, like them. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that explains so much to my life, just aimlessly floating around and, uh, <laughs> not settling down. Please listen carefully. Listen carefully.